giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Jennifer Lum, COO and co-founder of 4JI. Jennifer, thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me on. So before we really dig into it, can you share what Forge is? So I'm a co-founder of Forge AI. And at Forge, the opportunity that we are focused on is that of unstructured data. And what do we mean by that? So as you look across the Fortune 500, every company in every industry at this point has really started to harness machine learning and advanced analytics in very significant and meaningful ways. Couple that with the fact that every organization today has almost unlimited access to computing power thanks to the cloud. So great. Every company's got massive computing power, very skilled technical talent inside their walls. And the problem has become that the majority of the world's information is not immediately usable by computers because it is unstructured. And so the platform that we have created at Forge is focused on unstructured language-based information. And in real time, we are collecting unstructured information as it's published out into the world and transforming that into a structured, knowledge-rich, machine-readable format so that our customers can really accelerate the machine learning and advanced analytics that they're running within their businesses. Mm -hmm. So where did the idea for Forge come from and, and how did you first get involved? How did it turn from that idea into a reality? The journey that my co-founders, Jim Crowley and Jack Crowley, and I have been on to get this company off the ground is one that actually spans 12 years. Mm-hmm. Jim and I worked together at a, st- a Boston-based startup called M-Cube, and M-Cube was acquired midway through 2006. Post-acquisition, Jim and I met with Jack, and Jack has spent over 20 years really focused on the combination of natural language processing, machine learning, and high-performance computing. Mm -hmm. And specifically, the problem of transforming unstructured data into actionable information, actionable by machines. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, midway through 2006, three of us were very excited about the opportunity to commercialize the the set of technologies that Jack had become an expert in, uh, but we didn't think that the market timing was right. Mm. If you can think back 12 years ago, there really wasn't a publicly accessible cloud, GPUs hadn't taken off, and the customer side of the market certainly wouldn't have been ready to consume the types of Mm -hmm. data that we were looking to create. So Jack continued to develop his thinking and his technologies. Jim went on to build and lead and sell a few more companies. I worked on a few more companies myself, and we kept checking in on the viability of of banding together to get this company off the ground. And a number of things finally aligned towards the end of 2016. And in early 2017, the three of us pulled the trigger and decided that we were officially forming the company, and we got to work. So as a co-founder, I'm sure you wear many hats, but what do you see your role as? So I think of my day-to-day as really out of the office time Mm -hmm. and in the office time. So when I'm out of the office these days, I'm really focused on customer development. Because V1 of our platform is still in its nascency, 
there's still a lot of customer discovery, validation to do around making sure that we are going to be able to rapidly hit product market fit. And mm-hmm. so when I'm out of the office, that's what I'm doing. I'm talking to customers, I'm talking to pr- prospective customers, and I'm figuring out how do we align our, our product and our platform so that we can really accelerate or go to market once we decide that we're officially going to market. Yeah. And when I'm inside the office, I'm really spending a lot of time with everybody on the team. But the bulk of my time from a product management perspective is uh, spent working with our engineering team, our AI team, and our design team. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, working with my co-founders on company-level issues. Yeah. So how long has... You know, the first version, you know, obviously it's been 20 years, basically, (laughs) that it's been in development. But from the point where you've decided, okay, we're going to do this and created Forge, how long have you been working on the first version of the product? Just about two years now. Mm -hmm. So in January, we will officially be two years old. And the platform, uh, I believe we officially turned on the very first version of the platform in October of 2017. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of ongoing development and enhancement since then, and uh, we're really proud of the progress that we've been making. So a lot more work to do, but uh, making good progress. Did that that timeline and that launch go like you expected? So we had the benefit of Jack having so many years of being able to think through this set of technical problems and Mm -hmm. challenges and having hands-on experience working on different versions of other parts of the system in the past. And so that allowed us to shortcut Mm -hmm. a lot of the R&D and experimental processes that another team may have had to work through from scratch. I think there are some parts of the platform that we've been able to stand up in a pretty impressive amount of time. And then there are other parts of the platform where there is fundamental research that's required and mm-hmm. you can't shortcut that. That that takes time. Mm-hmm. At w- what point in that cycle of product development and launching, I mean, did you land your first customer? It was probably five to six months into you know, signing the corporation papers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was before you actually had the working product. Correct. It was before V1 was Mm -hmm. officially turned on end-to-end. And today, we are not actively in market selling. I would Mm -hmm. say we're still very much in focused customer development mode. Mm -hmm. And so what that means for us is that we are seeking out strategic partners who are willing to work very closely with us. And that also means bringing their own resources to the table Mm -hmm. to help us refine use cases, improve and iterate on the product, and help us understand how to create an incredibly valuable solution to them that they want to adopt as a production level solution. Yeah, that's great. I was going to ask you whether, you know, that first client was just like, whoever we get, we want to, we're trying to get clients or, but it's important to you that it was strategic and a partner who could help you build the right product. Yeah. You know, we're building a B2B enterprise platform. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a, an approach that my co-founders and I have taken in the past in building other B2B companies, platform yeah. companies, where if we can, as early as possible, identify real value that we can deliver to very large organizations, we are quite favorable on building businesses yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Can you give me examples of either customers that you have or potential customers around like exactly what the platform is being used for mm-hmm. at those places? Our initial go-to-market is focused on the financial services sector. Okay. And really what we found as we've gone and spoken to the world's largest financial institutions is that the manner in which they are bringing unstructured information into the organization today is by staffing rooms of analysts Mm -hmm. who will perform tasks such as reading the Wall Street Journal, listening to an earnings call, reading an SEC filing, combing through a Bloomberg terminal, sitting on top of Twitter. Mm -hmm. And this is mission-critical information that any number of teams within a financial institution needs access to in order to make the right decisions to drive their business whether it be inputs into a valuation model to figure out a position in an investment, whether it be information that would feed into a risk model to make a decision on whether or not to extend credit to a client, whether it be feeding into a live application or dashboard to service information to an internal team of analysts. Mm -hmm. The use cases are quite broad, Mm -hmm. but the benefit that we have is that there's a huge and urgent need for access to structured machine readable data. And once we can make that available in real time to our customers, they know what they want to do with it. There are uh, several processes running within these organizations today that we're plugging immediately into and turbocharging. And then what's most exciting for us is that there are new opportunities that we are creating for our partners because we are providing them with always-on access to knowledge-rich, or you can think of it as featured-rich data streams from which they can create new models off Mm -hmm. of. Have there been surprises along the way as you've gone, you know, unexpected or even pleasant surprises around how things have emerged since you started? You know, one thing that's new for me on this startup journey, so Forge is my fifth startup. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the new experiences that I'm working my way through and, and learning my way through with the team is that this is the first startup that I've built that has a really serious scientific R&D team. Mm -hmm. And it's been a real learning process to figure out how to coordinate the activities between the AI R&D team and our core engineering team to figure out how we actually get product to market. Mm -hmm. Because we are in a phase where we're building from scratch and we're standing up a V1, as you can imagine, there are quite a few dependencies on the AI right. R&D team. Mm-hmm. That's been a, a new experience for me, but one that I mm-hmm. find very interesting and mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying. I imagine that that means that there's uncertainty around timelines every time you're trying to plan out something, right? It's yeah. possible that the the research side is saying, this might not work, or we don't know how to do this, or we don't know how long it's going to be. In some situations, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so it's what Jack, my co-founder, is very good at is insisting up front, you know, what what are the success criteria, the, yeah. the, the acceptable thresholds that we're shooting for? What are the analysis of alternatives that we've thought through and planned through in case certain scenarios don't pan out as viable solutions? And of course, we're never going to perfect that, but 
Jack's experience, I think, is uh, creating a fairly effective situation mm-hmm. for us to manage through. Mm-hmm. You mentioned experience. Obviously, you have a lot of startup experience, like you said. This is your fifth one. And your co-founders as well. So did you raise external funding when you were getting started? We did. We did. Was that easy because of that experience or that prior track record? I wouldn't say that it was a walk in the park. Uh Uh-huh. But I do think that we were fortunate to have some credibility with some investors, uh, notably Boston-based investors. Mm-hmm. So thanks to some of the, the companies that we've been associated with, some of the teams that we've been fortunate to work with and people that we've been fortunate to work with, that gave us a bit of a track record to bring into fundraising mm-hmm. discussions. And so to the extent that fundraising wasn't a walk in the park, where were the challenges? One of the challenges is certainly stems from the fact that we are still learning how to tell our story. Mm-hmm around a very complex set of technologies and a very complex platform. Mm-hmm. Because it, our platform is really bringing together a set of technologies that in some ways, you know, different modules of our platform could be standalone companies. It's not a quick conversation mm-hmm. to have with, you know, any investor that we may encounter. Right. Did you get pressure from potential investors around the research side of, of things or how a component of what you have to do is yet to be determined? Or did you ultimately find an investor who got it? Yeah, I I don't know that we necessarily got objections to Mm -hmm. having an AI R&D team as a core team that was driving the company forward from day one. I think some of the uncertainty for some investors came from the amount of time that we were planning against in mm-hmm. order to get this platform and business to scale. Mm-hmm. You know, the the platform that we're building is incredibly complex and it's not one that we can stand up in 3 months. Right. And so we were lo- really looking for investors who understood the big vision mm-hmm. and who expressed and and also demonstrated that they wanted to team up with us for the long haul and that they had not only the interest but also the patience to partner with us to to build something really substantial. Mm -hmm. Are there aspects of what you're doing where you have to take into account ethics and making sure that your systems are not baking in certain biases or that kind of thing? Is that something that you've had to contend with? Yeah, in several ways. It's really important to us and really important to our customers that we provide full transparency to the original source information that we're bringing into the platform. And I think we're doing a pretty good job of that from end to end, from collecting information through to streaming it through to our partners. We think it's also really important to help our customers understand over time almost the credibility or the authority around different authors Mm -hmm. and also the publications and the types of topics and issues that they are publishing about. Mm -hmm. Where we've drawn a hard line is that we view our job, if we're doing a good job, as being a very knowledge-rich data provider. So we will provide you with access to a greater amount of knowledge-rich machine-readable data 
than any of your other partners. Mm -hmm. But that's where we draw the line. We don't want to take on the job of modifying your models or creating or designing your algorithms for you. If you are a customer, you know your business is far better Mm -hmm. than we ever will. And therefore, you should maintain ownership over that. But we want to give you the data, but we also want to give you a lot of objective measures around the data so that you have the visibility and control to understand how you want to use that data inside your own walls. So what's the biggest challenge that you face either as a company or a product or team? And what do you worry about and what do you try to fix? Right now, one of our highest priorities is hiring. Mm -hmm. And you know that Boston is an incredibly competitive market. Yeah. And so we are trying to figure out what are the things that we can do to accelerate our recruiting Mm -hmm. and ultimately hiring processes. So we're very focused on that right now. I would say in general, we're all very focused on speed of execution. Mm -hmm. Everything in tech is moving so quickly and it's really accelerating. So we can't afford to be moving slowly and we we need to be mindful of continuing to work as quickly as we can to make progress in market. Yeah. What are the roles that you're looking to hire? We're hiring across the board right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're hiring in our AI team. So some of the roles there are uh, NLP specialists. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking to add to our knowledge base or our knowledge graph team. Looking for data scientists on our engineering team. We're looking for a data architect. We're looking for a QA lead. Mm -hmm. We're looking for a general principal engineer. Mm -hmm. We're looking for entire product managers. And we're also looking for our first marketing hire. Oh, cool. Yeah. What makes someone a good fit besides technical skill or, you know, the marketing skill or what makes someone a good fit for Forge? I actually had an interview just before coming here Mm -hmm. and it was a, I think it was a third round interview where I was trying to gather feedback from the candidate and, you know, I, I was really taken aback by the feedback that he provided in that he said that he was really excited about the opportunity to work with our team Because, you know, obviously there are very bright people on the team, but he just said that he thinks that everyone who he's met with on our team is a really good person, Mm -hmm. fundamentally. And he was excited about the opportunity to work in that type of environment. So I would say that we are very fortunate to have incredibly talented, intelligent, driven people on our team. But something that we care a lot about is the candidate, is Mm -hmm. the person, just a good all-round person, right? Mm -hmm. No BS, team player, wants to work really hard uh, as an individual, but also with the team to build something great. Mm -hmm. Do you have explicit values written down as a team? We're working on it. Mm -hmm. I would say we haven't wrapped up. Yeah. A full set of criteria yet, mm-hmm. but it was so it wasn't yet. something that as founders you sat down and said, "We're going to write down our values. We're going to make this a thing, and we're going to." Uh, it's be, still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've done a few companies now. Is that how it generally works? Is that values evolve, or have you worked in some other ones or done some other companies where it was more explicit to begin with? For this company, I think one thing that perhaps is putting our definition of values onto a slightly longer time scale is that so many people from our core team have worked together in the past. Yeah. And therefore, there's this pre existing sort of just knowledge. Set of norms, uh, right, almost. Yeah. Where, you know, unspoken understanding, mm-hmm. knowledge, you know, communication that 
exists. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably a comfort level and a confidence around that as (laughs) as an anchor on the team that, you know, for better or worse, it's probably not the right answer or the best answer that has allowed us to reach this point without right. finalizing yeah, it. Yeah, no, it yeah. makes makes perfect sense. Boy, like you said, um, hiring is hard. I imagine hiring AI people in Boston is especially hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, especially when you are looking for specialized skills within the field of AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could be wrong, but I think Amazon has an AI team here, a machine learning team. The Siri team for Apple is, if not based here, a, a significant component. So that's a big NLP thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so and it's then you've got a fierce Google, competition. Yeah, right, Google, right. right? All of the giants are here. Microsoft Research is here as well. Mm-hmm. So the competition is we're really facing it from from all angles with the tech giants, the leading platforms, being able to offer incredibly amazing compensation packages. Yeah to other fantastic startups here in Boston, you know, working on very cool and challenging problems. It's a battle for sure. Yeah. Is your whole team based in Boston? Our whole team is based in Boston. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about not having everyone in Boston as a way to help with that problem? We are certainly planning for teams to be based in other cities and markets, Mm -hmm. and it's likely that we're going to align by the major financial cities and financial markets Mm -hmm. across the globe. I don't think that certainly in the next 12 months or so, we will be looking to grow our technical teams outside of the Mm -hmm. Boston and Cambridge area. Yeah. And I think I know the answer, but why is that? Despite the competition. Yeah. So some of this stems from us as founders, the Mm -hmm. founding team, and and really valuing having people be able to work together in the same space. But because we're so early on, both in our product development and in our commercialization, we really need to be able to just walk across the room Mm -hmm. or look left, look right, and make things happen, you know, make a decision, make a a change in direction, Mm -hmm. and be able to have that work its way across the team very quickly. And one way to control that is to have everybody in the same space. Mm-hmm. When you think about hiring competition, you know there wouldn't be that competition if there wasn't a talent base here. That's right. I've talked with a lot of guests about either market competition or hiring. And I think it's important to remember competition isn't necessarily inherently bad. It means that there's a market there. Absolutely. It means that in the case of hiring a talent base there because- yes those other companies wouldn't have their teams based here if there wasn't a talent pool to hire from. Right. And in some ways, it's it's nice that as the Boston innovation community has really started to emerge in this, this next wave, that there's this nice talent cycle that's benefiting from startup companies emerging to growth stage, some even going public, and talented individuals who are developing experience and gaining knowledge through those cycles are coming back into the Mm -hmm. earlier stages of company building, whether it be joining early stage teams or starting great companies of their own. Fostering that cycle is very healthy, I think, for the community. Yeah. And the AI team, do you have sort of different levels of experience for the roles that are open? Yeah. Yeah. So someone doesn't necessarily need to be a 
AI expert in their field. Oh, no, to not at all. Get a job in fact, at Forge. We, yeah, not at all. In fact, we've got several amazing people on our AI team who are who are quite young mm-hmm. in their careers, but their productivity, their drive to learn, their desire to contribute to moving the ball forward, moving the company forward is has been outstanding. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what kind of experience are you looking for for the AI team? Is it typically people at the less experienced side, is it people out of school? Are they coming from other jobs where they've done some machine learning work? Or is it a blank slate? So we have one new hire that's coming on board next week. And he is a master's grad, fresh grad. He also did some lecturing in machine learning at Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And he's coming in and joining Forge as his first job out of his master's program. Mm -hmm. So that'll be great. We just onboarded a data engineer two weeks ago, fresh grad from an undergrad program. Mm -hmm. And we have two members of our AI team, one focused on NLP, one focused on building tools for our AI team. They both joined us as their second job out of their undergrad programs. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a, a lot of opportunity for you know different backgrounds, different people with different levels of experience to join the team. Absolutely. They, I yeah. mean, and then contrast that with... So you want to hear from with, everybody. Yeah, contrast just, that with uh, our data science lead who is a PhD from MIT CSAIL who's been in the workforce for probably 15 to 20 years mm-hmm. across multiple companies. So it really, you know, we've got a broad range of people on the team and we need to add a lot more. Yeah. When you think about scaling, do you sort of have a hiring plan or at this point or is it we literally do. just we have to hire as many people as possible? We have a goal that we're shooting towards for the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And that hiring plan is what we believe to be the critical roles that will allow us to hit the milestone of being ready from a technology standpoint, but also from a business infrastructure standpoint to be able to pull the trigger and say, we are officially selling, we are officially going yeah. to market. Yeah. We do have a hiring plan beyond that that extends two more years out because you always need a plan. Mm -hmm. But I would say the hiring plan that goes into 19 and 20 is going to be based a lot on how rapidly we are able to make progress Mm -hmm. in market. So Mm -hmm. primarily meaning revenue, right? So as your team grows, it's certainly going to evolve. It's definitely going to evolve beyond people that you've worked with before. Mm -hmm. So how intentional will you be about sort of establishing or propagating that culture you have to the team as it scales? It's really important that we focus on institutionalizing that now Mm -hmm. as we prepare to onboard this second wave of hires. Critically important because everyone needs a shared understanding of fundamentally what the values of the team and the company are and so that they have the context of how it's important for them to operate over the life of the company. Mm -hmm. How do you handle onboarding and training at Forge? Well, our team is still quite small. Mm -hmm. And so as quickly as possible, we try to get a new hire in front of each one of the teams and have them learn about the different parts of the platform, the technology, and then, of course, the use cases that we're working on with our early partners and our early customers. Mm -hmm. But 
as quickly as possible getting them up to speed on where we are, what we're working on, what the priorities are, is what we're trying to focus on. Mm-hmm. As a big focus for you right now, is hiring and onboarding and everything, is that part of your role? So we have team leads who are overseeing various functions and the function that mm-hmm. I'm overseeing is product. Yeah. So I'm responsible for onboarding yeah. product hires. Yeah. But I, in terms of onboarding people who are joining other functional teams, I definitely need to help in any way that I can, yeah. whether it be raising the comfort level, spending time with new team members, helping them connect with others. Anything that I can do to help them yeah. feel more at ease and yeah. in the know yeah. uh, is what I will focus on. How do you handle HR now? We don't have a dedicated HR rep mm-hmm. yet. Much of the HR administrative work is being handled by uh, Jim, who's our CEO. Mm-hmm in partnership with an outsourced CFO benefits firm that we work with. Mm -hmm. And is that the plan going forward or do you see that evolving relatively soon or over time? Yeah, I think it's likely that if we continue to make good progress that at some point in 2019 we'll Mm -hmm. be looking to make a first hire into the HR function. Yeah, I'm asking because you said one of the challenges is hiring. Yeah. you know, so are you working with recruiters or anything like that to try to solve those challenges? We are. Mm-hmm. We are. So In-house or external? External. Are they people that you've worked with before at prior companies? No. We're, we're working with new partners mm-hmm. to me, new partners to the mm-hmm. team that uh, we're working with for the first time. It's pretty early on in our partnership, but so far, so good. Mm-hmm. What I will add, though, is that what we remind ourselves of on a daily basis, that it's really up to us to be working our networks as hard as we can in these early phases to bring on the people that we already know and that we already have mm-hmm. a lot of trust in. So that is certainly happening in parallel to the work that we're doing with our partners. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you for joining me. If people want to find out more about Forge AI and maybe join the team, where can they do that? Our website is uh, hopefully pretty self-explanatory. It is www.forge.ai. And 12 years ago, there was no .ai. That's true. Domain. That's really what you were waiting for, I'm sure. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'm happy to connect with anyone who's interested in learning more about the company. My email address is jennifer at forge.ai. Cool. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode and every other one at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at cpytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, San Francisco, New York, London, Austin, and Raleigh, let's build something great together.